When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Pod Save the Queen! Hello and welcome back to Pod Save the Queen. A little bit later in the week than usual because we knew there was a big thing happening on Thursday. So we have for once delayed our recording so we can make sure that we take in the unveiling of the Princess Diana statue. I am your host, Anne Gripper. I am joined in both part one and part two, which was recorded on Wednesday. Um, I am joined once again by Daily Mirror Royal Editor Russell Myers. Hello, Russell. Hello. Hello. How are we? I'm I'm all right. We may also be joined by some seagulls because Russell is currently in his car outside his house for reasons. (laughs) I've been banished banished from my own home because Mrs. Myers has got a man in. Wow. He seems to be putting up some pictures because I'm so useless. So I've been banished to the car. And we decided that seagulls was a better option than banging noises. So yes, if, indeed. Yes, if they indeed. pop up, then that will just add to the uh, the seaside feel of summertime. Very um, good. So we recorded the second half of the show on Wednesday, and you will hear later that future Anne got one of her predictions right as she said that maybe we would see the Royals out at Wimbledon. So we've seen Kate arriving at Wimbledon today and looking like she's having a grand old time, sitting laughing her head off with Tim Henman, England's or British tennis legend. Um, Tiger Tim. Tiger, Tiger Tim, still Henman's Hill. People still think it's really funny to shout, come on, Tim, <laughs> during any British tennis players match at Wimbledon. Um, so, yes, it's obviously a Friday, so none of the kids have gone, but I would, I would love to see her back maybe on finals weekend with George and Charlotte or maybe and see, see them having some action. Anyway, enough of tennis because that is not the reason that we delayed things. We delayed things for the, well, it's itself in some ways much delayed unveiling of the statue of Princess Diana, which was apparently ready several several years ago, but originally delayed because Harry and Meghan were getting married and that was the focus of that kind of summer. And then obviously pandemics and then, okay, 60th birthday of Princess Diana or what would have been her 60th birthday. That's the moment to install this statue in the sunken garden at Kensington Palace, obviously because of the pandemic, but actually, again, in some ways, as with uh, the Duke of Edinburgh's funeral, having a smaller, more intimate ceremony. So it was just... Harry, William, people who'd been involved on the statue committee and Diana's brother and sisters, sort of very key people there, probably added to the sort of the, the specialness, I guess, and the, the memories. Yeah, I think so. I think, listen, whether it was a big uh, all singing, all dancing uh, extravaganza or whether it was like 
we had yesterday um, a very small, intimate event, just Harry, William, and uh, and 13 others, including, as you, as you rightly said, this, the, the Spencer siblings. So um, whether whether it was either of those two, it would have been poured over, right? And it still we still might get some bigger unveiling next year, perhaps. I'm sure that some of the sponsors will like uh, will have liked to have uh, Elton John and David Furnish with some of the sponsors for the uh, for the statue, apparently. So um, whether we do get another sort of bite of the cherry, I'm not too sure. But um, it seemed to go off without any major hiccups. I think there was a, a few surprises, to be honest, because. Um, we were expecting to hear from the boys, uh, but we didn't. There were no speeches. There would have been a lot of discussion about whether they would speak jointly, if you can do that, or whether they would sort of, you know, tag team the same speech or have separate speeches or who would say what. And I suppose when all is said and done, this was the sort of perfect antidote to it, really, because if we've said so much about the issues to do, to do with their relationship. So much has been um, said and written and poured over by body language experts or commentators or, or whoever. Um, it was probably the right way to do it in their, in their view because by, by not making a speech, by releasing a joint statement, it was all on the same part, wasn't it? And certainly, I think I'd spoken last week that I was certainly told that Duchess of Cambridge was going to be there, definitely wanted to be there, uh, as did several other people. And certainly the goalpost did change somewhat um, from what uh, plans were expected by some. And um, and that was, you know, the Palace said that these were due to coronavirus restrictions. Read into that what you will, because I don't think it was all to do uh, with COVID because we're, we're having sort of sporting events with many, many thousands of people at the moment. So that isn't necessarily um, the correct excuse. However, it possibly did serve a purpose because, like you just said, a more intimate event, um, one without speeches, release a statement on behalf of the brothers. And, uh, and in their sense, it's, uh, it's job done, really. It was, it was a lovely statement as well, shared on uh, the Duke and Duchess of Cambridge Instagram page, Harry not having his own social media page and obviously released to the world as a statement as well. Today on what would have been our mother's 60th birthday, we remember her love, strength and character, qualities that made her a force for good around the world, changing countless lives for the better. Every day we wish she was still with us and our hope is that this statue will be seen forever as a symbol of her life and her legacy. Thank you to Ian Rank Broadley, Pitt Morrison and their team for their outstanding work, to the friends and donors who helped make this happen and to all those around the world who keep our mother's memory alive, signed by Prince William and Prince Harry. So it was a, you know, a, a really quite simple but telling tribute, tribute in the in the words that they shared. I thought, yes, I, I think when all said and done, it's an incredibly emotional uh, event and incredibly emotional project for them. I mean, they've been working on it since 2017, as you said at the top of the show. It's actually been finished for quite some time. I think it was around 2018 it was finished, but um, obviously Harry and Meghan getting wet, uh, married, a uh, small part of a uh, of a pandemic, and then uh, the complete disintegration of the relationship probably didn't um, bode too well for, for getting together and uh, and putting on a, a show of unity like they did last uh, yesterday. But however, um, I think they, they were both grown up enough to realise that they, they needed to call a, a bit of a truce get together i mean at times i did think it was quite interesting looking at both of them sort of harry 
bounding down the steps, you know, a couple of spaces behind William into the sunken garden. Almost was he trying? I mean, you, I mean, have you seen the footage? But I, I, I almost seemed um, to be a bit pessimistic on it. Really, I think that uh, he looked a little bit forced at times. No doubt, happy to see his aunties and his uh, his uncle. Um, Earl Spencer and Lady Sarah McCorkadale and, and Lady Jane Fellows. Um, and they seem to give him a really warm reception. I'm sure they haven't seen him for, for quite some time. So in that sense, I'm sure it was a bit of a family reunion, but I, I just got the sense that there was, uh, the issue was being a little bit forced. For, for, you know, for, for William, I think he looked very, very deep in thought. He looked pensive. Um, again, just that's probably the emotion running. I mean, they're unveiling this project together and they know that everybody's going to be talking about it. And, uh, and I, I think that the pressure of that uh, did, did show at times. And, and certainly it was quite a quick ceremony. It was only, I don't really know the exact time, but it was less than 20 minutes start to finish. And, uh, and then once they, once they pulled off the, um, do you call it a cloak? We can call it a cloak. Tarpaulin, I think, is how other people have been called. Oh, it's a bit, a bit fancier than tarpaulin. I mean... Cover? Yeah. I mean, it's just, no, let's go with cloak. Once you pulled <laughs> off the cloak to reveal the statue, uh, a bit of a round of applause, and then they, they had a, a couple of chats with the gardeners. Ian Rank Broadley, who, if you don't know by now, I mean, he is a world-renowned sculptor and craftsman, and his image of the Queen, I mean, he's got quite a legacy of um, producing images of the royal family but his image of the queen adorns all uk and commonwealth coins so he's uh he's very very trusted within royal family circles but for my two pennies worth do you want it always i mean i'll pay 3p for it if you really want. <laughs> i mean i just think do any modern statues look good and you're never going to please, well, you can't all please all the people all the time, can you? But this has been quite divisive from what I've seen. I think the Guardian were quite brutal in their assessment of it. They oh, yeah. called it a nauseating, spiritless and characterless hunk of nonsense. I wouldn't go that far. Uh, which I, would say, I, think the, I think the Guardian are a Republican. They're, they're quite keen to get rid of the monarchy generally as a paper. In yes, I suppose of, so. In terms I of the, so. the publishing groups, it's worth just for people I who are less quite, familiar. I would just say I was quite surprised. And listen, it doesn't matter what anyone else thinks because at the end of the day, this was the boys' project. They are obviously happy with it. Otherwise, it wouldn't have been unveiled to the world. And that's all that matters. Um, some people being quite gushing in the praise of saying it embodies the spirit. Well, in, as the Kensington Palace said yesterday, it represents universality and generational impact of her work, and it aims to reflect her warmth, elegance, and energy. Well, answers on a postcard if you think it has it satisfied all of those uh, facts. I'm not too sure, well, I think- but, uh, but I think it's. Um, I think you can get a flavour of, of of what it's meant to be by just by looking at it. I'm mm-hmm. sure. So I think I think I think it's better than you and I could have done in pottery class for sure. But I think there is definitely a thing. So I was I was away on my travels over the last week, and we called in at um, a place called Litchfield, just north of Birmingham, and visited the cathedral there. And they had last Saturday they just unveiled this grand new statue of one of the of Saint Chad, who is what is named, which is a it's a magnificent and very beautiful statue. But the sculptor there has a bit of an advantage because this. This man lived, you know, over a thousand years ago, I think. So nobody really knows what he looks like. So so long as it looks like a nice statue, you're not you're not trying to capture 
someone who was the most photographed woman in the world. Yeah, I just got, I just, my, my mind just went straight back to the Nelson Mandela and Churchill statues in Parliament Square. And they're, they're pretty magnificent, right? And I, I don't know. I don't know whether it really embodied the spirit of Diana. I don't know. I, personally, possibly, I thought it would be sort of from the landmine era, which probably wasn't that far before the era that they're looking at. They, they, essentially, they wanted to look at the era of her life in her later years where she had grown in confidence as a person and that she was more adept at her humanitarian work. I think I'm paraphrasing somewhat of what the Kent Palace was saying yesterday, but that, that, was, the, that was the sort of spiel of the day. Um, the, the landmine stuff is so iconic in its own way that I don't think reproducing that as a sculpture, and ultimately a sculpture is also a piece of art rather than just a pure representation. So mm. you know, people, people are asking who are these children and they are sort of representative children of her, of, you know, her, her work and, and her caring work. for young people. Kids, and her, yeah. And her sort of, um, you know, friendliness, I guess. that she, she wasn't standoffish with people. She was there and they were around her and, and, and that kind of feeling. So th- there are a few comments from listeners on our Instagram. So Dam Coffee says, I've seen a lot of criti- criticism about the statue, but I think Diana had such a unique personality that it is difficult to capture in this medium. Um, Benji Pear says, I like it. I think that is a great tribute to their mother. Statues are interesting things. They're not portraits or or photographs. Like many statues, this is not quite lifelike. It's monumental. It's meant to capture her life's mission and celebrate her memory. Um, Celia 30 says, so lovely, and yet seeing it makes me sad all over again. I will never forget that tragic day. A beautiful tribute to their mom, for them, their families, and for all of us who admired her. So it's a greeting from Canada. We've got a Canadian flag sign-off. Rue Green says, I think it was nice. It would have been a bit creepy if her sons were included in the statue. Statues are, for the most part, for the dead. The multiracial children represent the work so important to her and her in the UK and around the world. The poem is so touching and poignant for us all. Job well done, I believe. Um, Tell us a little bit about the poem, Russell. So the poem is um, called A Measure of a Man. And they seem to, well, they've obviously changed the gender of it. And it's it's on the paving slab in front of the statue. I'll give you a a bit of a flavour of it because it's quite short. It is... um, it was actually read at uh, featured in the program sorry in her on her 2007 memorial service and it is these are the units to measure the worth of this woman as a woman regardless of birth not what was her station but had she a heart how did she play her god given part and i think that does encompass what the statue is about what was her place in the world um, regardless of where she came from, I think that that does embody Diana, that she necessarily wasn't part you know, of the royal family machine. She didn't really feel that she ever fitted in it, but she used the role for the greater good. And I think that that is what her sons see. Certainly Harry, you know, where, well, both of them, but I think that comes back to Harry's viewpoint of service is universal almost, doesn't it? You don't have to have a standpoint, i.e. being a member of the royal family, um, in order to make your mark in the world. I suppose that's a bit debatable, but that's how he feels, doesn't it? 
So I did see, I saw one comment, I think possibly on Twitter that I thought was interesting about someone saying, I'm not sure that bronze is the right medium to capture her. It would be interesting if it had been sort of marble and something a bit lighter, essentially. Um, and Lenka McPee says, it was always going to be hard to capture someone with so much vitality in a statue. It, I did not like it at first when I saw it in close, but in the wider angle photos, I think it sits beautifully in its surroundings. Um, I have a confession to make that when I saw the first picture, so I think... I think the picture is is really lovely and it's kind of beautifully framed because you've got the two boys either side socially distanced, which leaves a perfect space through the middle for to be able to see the statue. But when you look at them, I'm really sorry, Harry, but you now have to look really closely to work out which one is which because he has lost so much of his hair that he has a very similar hairline to William, but the rest of it is just a bit longer and he's still sort of a bit, his is a bit more wild. Still. He's still got a bit of fuzzy bear going on. He has, but so I, I, I did just think, oh, well, they, they are definitely united on, on one, um, in one area of life. But the, the pictures, the photos that I saw of them, I've not seen as much moving footage as you have, but the, the photos captured, I think it would be quite easy to look at that one picture where they are separated, which is partly a construct of, you know, they stood separately to pull the tarpaulin or cloak as we're, we're dubbing it down with their two separate ropes from either side. So they were sort of separated in that. So they were almost their stations, but it would be easy to look at that photo and think that it represented the division of the two brothers because they are stood separately. But a lot of the photos that I saw in between times, the, there did seem to be moments of warmth captured um, between the two of them. So even if, you know, you can imagine Harry would have been um, feeling tricky about it. He would have known he was in the spotlight. I mean, he's, apart from anything else, he has talked about the sort of the, the trauma that he has experienced through the sound of photographs and that kind of thing. And he knows, and it's obviously an emotional day anyway, anything connected with his mother will be so that you can understand him sort of being a nervous, a bit of a nervous bundle of energy, I'm sure. But hopefully, hopefully the sort of the, the wall, hopefully what I saw or hoped was warmth was, was sort of genuine and that they have managed to sort of improve relations through, through, this visit and that time together. Yeah, I think I think you're right. Actually, that sort of uh, that assessment of a nervous bundle of energy. That's that was my viewpoint of it. I think I think I think William did look pensive. He did look, you know, that he was, he was just deep in thought. I mean, it was it's a difficult situation, isn't it? Hasn't seen his brother. All the backstory going on. The Spencer family there, who obviously were really happy to see both of them, uh, and just in response to what you're talking about, that picture of them standing side by side. I think that's an iconic image. I mean, I couldn't believe how big the statue was. It's one and a quarter times life size. And then it's on a plinth. So you've got the kids. Up some steps. Yeah, I mean, it's it's huge. So you've got the children who are like almost as you know, towering figures themselves. And then Diana... Again, I don't, uh, uh, maybe, yeah, maybe marble would have worked better, but then... That's what it was weather as much. I mean, the, what I did like about the statue was the three children. You can't necessarily tell there's three from the, from, from one angle, but at the side angle, it's a very, very different piece. And I, I really liked that aspect of it because people are obviously going to be walking past, you would imagine filing past it and you'll, you'll just get different aspects of it um, as you sort of move around or across the statue. So all in all, I think Mr. Rank Broadley has done um, 
a good job from an impossible task, perhaps. The boys must be happy with it, otherwise they wouldn't have signed it off. And uh, and I, again, I think that you just have to look at the front pages and uh, some of the uh, the comments on the pictures or their speech and by saying, where's the, where's the line from the speech? By, by essentially saying that um, every day we, uh, we miss her. And, you know, that, that's the nub of it, right? Yeah, that will, that will never change. So that was um, worth waiting for, I think, on, on all counts, us, us delaying our, our recording and uh, the, more importantly, Kensington Palace and the boys delaying the unveiling of the statue. But now let's go back in time and see what Russell and I were talking about on Wednesday. So that was the future, and now we're back on Wednesday, and I wonder whether future me will still be very excited about us having won a football match last night where Prince William was there with Kate and George. Did you watch the match, Russell? I did indeed, yes, I did. Uh, I had to watch it on my laptop because I've moved house and I haven't haven't got television at the moment. It was all very... (laughs) 1966, like people crowded around a little screen. Well, they didn't but, uh, have laptops in 1966. Well, they had a smaller screen, just play, play, play with the. Uh, you know, play with but this was a very, very, very big deal because England, as as Gary Lineker famously said, football is a game where you play for 90 minutes and then you lose to the Germans, approximately, <laughs> usually on penalties. In fact, but anyway, we actually won. Um, the picture that I saw initially of Prince George, he looked slightly non nonplussed by the whole situation initially. I did see some other ones of him uh, him, him sort of smiling and things. William looked thoroughly delighted with, with life. Kate looked very glam. And George, little Prince George, he looked so smart in his in his tie. Although his England tie. It's the same I, same as the England team. I thought, you know, there's a lot of lot of people on Twitter discussing this, some quite uh angry angrily that was saying, oh, why wasn't he allowed to wear his kit? Because we've seen him in his England kit before. But I mean, you're supposed to be smart in the royal box, but surely maybe he wanted maybe maybe he wanted to wanted to uh, dress up dress up like his dad. Yeah, maybe he did look very smart. It was quite interesting. I did see some of those pictures. He looked completely nonplussed in some of them. I think our own headline was Prince George is you know having a great time. He's beaming whilst Dad is going crazy in the stands and uh the, the first picture i saw he, he he didn't look bothered at all but there were some really lovely pictures of sort of william hugging him and him looking really really excited but so. it's a bit of a shock to the system never mind england beating germany but it's a shock to the system being in a place with you know forty thousand screaming people i watched it around with yeah. some friends last night and then um, my old, my old university flatmate was screaming with delight, which rather shocked her 14-month-old daughter, who's obviously <laughs> grown up in lockdown with not a lot of noise going on. But, uh, but yeah, and the, I mean, the picture that they, they shared on the, uh, on the Instagrams, or Duke and Duchess of Cambridge Instagram, as it is now, not the old Kensington Royal one. They've got one of George giving things a big clap. But you could, William just looks like he's having the best, best time. So they won't be able to go to Saturday's game because that one is in Italy. But should England be victorious, then they might get another day out at Wembley for the semi-final and the final. And maybe next time we'll get to see George wear his kit because, if, well, if England go through, touch wood, touch wood, um, then that would be delightful. So they were having a lovely time. Um, let's talk about someone who hasn't had such a lovely time, Russell. So last week... Um, we saw not just a picture 
of Boris Johnson returning to his sort of face-to-face audiences with the Queen, but an actual video and the microphone was on. It was all, you know, it was all sort of lovely. They're meeting up. Meeting was perfectly normal. And then the Queen was uh, sharing her, you know, I've, I've just seen your Secretary of State for Health, poor man. He came for Privy Council. He's full of, and then... <laughs> as so two brilliant there's brilliant things that happened here there were so many brilliant things number one as someone pointed out even if you're the queen there's still a man who's willing to finish your sentences for you which i thought was quite funny as uh Boris johnson chipped in with full of beans um but obviously there were various interpretations of what the queen might have said was that he's full of promises he's full of confidence he's full of something he's that's, full of something and he thinks that yeah. things are getting better so anyway this so initially this sort of mock Poor, poor man. I mean, you know, being Secretary of State for Health during a time of a pandemic is clearly a tough time. And one thing I did notice was that the Queen did sort of step in to be closer to the Prime Minister. So I'm assuming her hearing, as you might expect for someone in their 90s, is not is not tremendous. And it was more important to get a little bit closer to the Prime Minister to hear what he was saying rather than keep the super distance, particularly since they are both... Um, both double vaccinated but anyway secretary of state for health poor man i can only imagine the queen's face when she saw the newspaper front pages pretty much the next day as the secretary of state for health was shown to have been having massive snogs smooches kisses with a woman who was not his wife (laughs) who he had employed in the department an old university friend um obviously in the middle of dealing with the pandemic while I mean, people were not even allowed to hug their parents old school scandal this one i mean it was just it sort of teed it up didn't it, it no. calling him poor man and poor then poor man you know, <sighs> the, the ensuing scandal and uh yeah, talking about them coming together johnson's both a bumbler and a mumbler isn't he so no wonder she couldn't hear him but uh certainly it was uh it gave the headline writers and the cheeky caption writers quite a uh, a busy busy day indeed. But um, yes. gosh, it's been a, it's been a busy old time. It, it has been it? has been a busy old time. So we won't we won't dwell on on the in, ins and outs of that uh, of that scandal. But should you like a little bit of political tittle tattle of what is going on? I mean, the man has resigned. There's, I mean, it's it's horrible because there's marriages broken down and all of this kind of thing. But the way it all came out, and as someone said, he looks like he kisses like a teenager who's got no idea because there is video of this incident. Not the video with the Queen, I hasten to add, the video with the colleague. Anyway, so that is what has been going on in, you know, Royal Circles. And you thought he was having a bad time when he was getting pitied by the Queen. But there we go. Anyway, enough of that. Um, the Queen, her big party next year. We know a bit more about it. Some of the details of what will be happening for the Platinum Jubilee. All being well. Touch All being with. well. Big. Well, it's quite exciting. Was it giant dragons? Queen beasts? I mean, what's a queen beast? How it's going to be? You know, have you ever seen the giants in, when they come to Liverpool? The oh, big I puppets. Heard well, they're they're pretty phenomenal. impressive. They're pretty pretty impressive. So it's a uh, yeah. So it was a big big launch for the for the Platinum Jubilee yesterday, and uh, you know it's 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 quite a big deal. If you didn't know already, it's going to be quite a big deal. There's going to be uh, between ten and fifteen million pounds worth spent on it. It's going to be. Um, a pretty big deal in London, 5,000 
volunteers, NHS workers, military personnel, all lining the streets. It was billed as London opening to the world again, an opening ceremony. Well, I hope it's opened a bit sooner than that. However, this is sort of a big, big celebration of uh, of things to come. So, um, certainly something to something to look forward to. Giant dragons the size of London buses, beasts as tall as three-story houses, and uh, it's all going to be marking the monarch's 70 years, record-breaking years, on the throne. So lots to look forward to next year. And I'm excited about the play written by Michael Morpurgo. Oh, yes. A tremendous um, writer of children's books. Who I, I grew up with reading his books. So War Horse is probably the one that has really made him internationally famous an incredible theatre show and film and all of those things but he's you know he's well it's going to be featuring horses you know the whole pageant I mean it's, it it's, has to for the queen it does why do you have horses lots of marching bands and horses this that, that you, you mentioned this story it's called There Once is a Queen and it's essentially going to be bringing her life story to, to life and through the to the medium of art and theatre there's going to be a nod to every decade of the Queen's reign, uh, featuring corgis, obviously, and, uh, and to reflect her passion. So obviously there'll be a lot of horse racing um, and uh, a lot of dogs. But I, thought, I think it's quite good to engage a children's writer to do this, to sort of, you know, people who are little now, you know, they just see her probably as, as the, the granny and of the nation if you like and actually bringing to life all of these different parts and you know it's that whole that whole thing you know when you're little and you can't fathom that your your parents were once small let alone your grandparents you know having been having been young once upon a time so being able to retell retell that and all of the excitement around it oh something very much to look forward to so that will be some major expenditure for next year obviously last week we had we, we t- spoken a little bit in advance of the sovereign grant um report coming out which was just before you were moving house so you had a couple of days off well i did i had a couple of days to digest it as well because it's normally quite a tough um assault on the senses shall we say it's a lot of uh tables and figures always a journalist going on thing. journalist love spreadsheets <laughs> exactly um it's it normally keeps me up several days before the before the event unfortunately but um well there's a lot of sort of headlines and it depends which one you pick out because there was obviously discussions about the coronavirus pandemic uh, discussions about uh, harry and Meghan and whether charles had continued to support them uh, footnote he did until a certain you know of a substantial sum i think was the quote that was uh been delivered from one of the senior members of the household um which was you know potentially at odds of what prince harry told oprah winfrey that his family had in quotes cut me off financially in the first quarter of 2020 um just to clarify that clarence house spokesman said prince charles continued to fund uh, to continue to fund the Sussexes until the summer. Whether you, it depends what t- what sort of financial year you're looking at. However, I, I mean, I think reading between the lines is Prince Charles gave the Sussexes an awful lot of money on top of the awful lot of money that they already have independently. So one may wonder why indeed they were um, 
using such language in the Oprah Winfrey interview. But more interestingly, I think, apart from the fact that, you know, the Queen has had to dip into her own coffers um, to the tune of about £10 million to sort of cover the impact of the coronavirus crisis, um, a, a couple of things, really, that, that, that it would have probably been more damaged, uh, that this sort of financial hole, if it had not been for Harry and Meghan repaying the money from Frogmore Cottage. And there was an awful lot of wrangling. I mean, there had been, and you know, at the time, and, and had been last week, about what they had actually agreed to return. So obviously, everybody remembers the funfair of this, uh, the two and a half, 2.4 million that had been spent refurbishing their uh, their official home, Frogmore Cottage, in the shadow of Windsor Castle, that Harry is actually staying at the moment because he's flown back to um, to isolate before before the big event tomorrow. Um, however, uh, we, are, we do understand they have paid that back and they are paying rent payments on that house as well, which we still don't know what those payments are, but it seemed to be quite a good deal for the Queen because she's getting market rate on... Uh, a sort of royal residence that probably, well, definitely wouldn't have been rented out uh, otherwise. So, you know, it's it's sort of six of one and a half a dozen the other, I think, at the moment. And uh, it's always a bit of a tricky business when you get into royal finances because as transparent as they think they are, I don't think that it's as transparent as, you know, a set of accounts laid out in front of you and accounting for every penny. There's, there was obviously a lot of... Um, a lot of different issues to to do to, 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 to the finances. But um, uh, one of the more important things that I pulled out of the uh, of the Sovereign Grant was the actual um, role that uh, diversity has to play with the uh, royal households. And certainly that um, I think must do better is probably one of the headlines and uh, certainly something that would be underlined by the palace themselves. And they uh, did reveal that Buckingham Palace had... Um, just 8.5% of its staff were from ethnic minorities. And this is the first time we've ever had such a breakdown. And, um, you know, just reading my notes, we had, uh, you know, one of the, one of the um, palace sources, part of the palace household delivering this saying, you know, admitting, that, you know, we do recognize we are not where we need to be. So certainly they have made a commitment to try and get that up to 10% uh, by the end of next year. And then, there obviously is a lot more to do because um, racism, race has had quite uh, a part to play in the conversations between members of the family, certainly when Meghan and Harry were accusing a member of the royal family of um, questioning the, uh, the how dark the colour of their um, humble children's skin would be. There is certainly issues that the, the Queen and the rest of the royals at the time said recollections may vary to do with that and other uh, things labelled at them by the Sussexes. However, there obviously is an issue to do with um, the level of diversity within the royal households, and it's good to see that uh, that they are tackling this head on and um, and hopefully are going to make some some great strides in it. Is 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 exactly what they need to do. And it it's the kind of thing you know going from eight percent to ten percent will be a step forward, but will still be short of so the the UK. Um, overall makeup is sort of mid-teens, so there will still be some way to go there. And, uh, you know, I think it's fair to say that um, it's not just the royal households that have challenges in this respect. I know, you know, journalism and our own company, you know, we've been looking at this 
extensively for for a while and then with even greater focus and in the last year knowing that we need you know we can we can and should do more and need to do more but I think I think one of the things it's just something Catherine Carlisle flagged as well is it's all very well having a number and saying it's this percent of people but if you don't know where in the household they fit you know is this how what the distribution is are some of these people in senior roles or are they all in sort of you know below stairs behind closed door roles do you know what i mean this is yeah very much so yeah that difference and how how do we get how how do how do we get to that stage of do you think they will reveal that breakdown at some stage or is that well that would have been good two? wouldn't it because i think we've also we've already had this in sort of footsie 250 for footsie 100 companies of uh sort of the gender balance within the workforce uh, certainly on the board um then you have sort of the ethnic diversity makeup of of big companies and you know, we refer to them as the firm so one may wonder why they aren't sort of following suit but sometimes things don't move as quickly as they should within um you know the the passage of change within the royal household, and and I think that internally they they need to try and tackle that, and I think that that they are trying to do it. And um, sometimes these things do take a little bit longer, uh, but certainly the pressure will be on. So by the time we come to the sovereign grant next year, I do think there will be an element of pressure to say, okay, well, you've acknowledged there is an issue here. Um, however, what is the breakdown of your staff? How many? People from ethnic uh, backgrounds are in are in senior uh, positions, senior management positions, and uh, as you rightly say, if if they have made an improvement, where is the percentage makeup w- uh, across the board? So um, a, a bit a case of watch this space, and and something that you know we we should be looking out for as well. It's it's one thing for I think our companies certainly has made um, good headway in that, making sure we're gender balanced doing more as uh, to, to, to sort of balance up the, the ethnic makeup of our um, of our workforce and certainly um it's something that the the, the palace need to look at as well it's certainly being mindful of it and trying to do more and like you said now they've put it in there this first time it will always you know essentially they can't now remove oh, it no, it no, this is, it's, it's 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 for keeps this certainly and and so it should be i think when you're you're dealing with such a, a large organization that it's um it's something that is very very important uh not only to the people who are um working within it but also the people who are um fans of it and and the people who write about it as well it's something that we do do need to to be aware of and do need to know so there have been royal visits again this week and we saw the Queen and Prince William together in Scotland. Sophie and Edward, they've been up in Scotland as well. I mean, there's a lot of love going up to Scotland at the moment. Well, there has been because the Cambridges were there only a few weeks ago, certainly um, as William's new role as Lord uh, Lord High Commissioner of the Church yes. of Scotland. So I think this is, you know, quite a bit being discussed um that the that the royals certainly the queen and senior royals do have um quite an issue with the, the 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 unionist or the breaking up of the union issue that is um ongoing in scotland at the moment um certain pieces written recently that the that the royals thought that the politicians were in quotes losing scotland and certainly the conversations I've had following that are, are yes, that they, they think that William and Kate could be a real force for good 
north of the border and and definitely um, they have quite an affiliation to Scotland. Uh, William spoke very, very candidly and passionately about how he was at Balmoral when he found out of his tragic mother's death. He found the love of his life at uh, at uh, St Andrews University and um, and certainly they have a huge respect and affiliation for Scotland and a huge love of the of uh, of the country. So I do think they will be spending more time there. And it's no surprise that on this Royal Week, Holyrood Week, which is an annual event that didn't get to take place uh, last year due to COVID. But when the Queen does go up to Scotland, um, it was no surprise that um, the first person to accompany her was her grandson, Prince William, because I think they, they have, um, they're enjoying quite a bit of popularity at the moment. And, uh, and it was a sort of a master stroke to, to bring William up. But uh, I'd be interested to know what percentage of our um, international listeners know about Iron Brew? And who, who, who has even got to taste Iron Brew? Have you it's been tasted- a while for me. I have, definitely, yeah, but it's been a while. It's so Iron been a while. Brew is, um, is the most, you know, it's, it is the Scottish fizzy drink, essentially. Um, it is in a very distinctive can. You can pretty much, I mean, you can get it other places, but basically it's drunk in Scotland. It is bright orange. I mean, I'm not sure what it's actually made of. I mean, someone once told me it's like melted down good, rusty good. <laughs> it's pretty much what it looks like. I mean, I'm sure it's not, but it is it's a vivid shade of orange and I've always been too terrified to ever even try it what does it taste of Russell have you tried it I mean it's like Dr Pepper you can't but it's not like Dr Pepper it's just in you can't really describe it it's like a, just a fizzy car, a carbonated sweet drink I mean I, what how would you describe Coca-Cola it tastes it's like just, Coca-Cola yeah yeah precisely well this just tastes like um brew what is it so we do is it nice? what, what is in uh, it's an acquired taste. It's uh, definitely, you know, you get, you're you washed down. It's an end of the night drink. Oh. When you're, if you're, well, like, if you're hungover, you could take, you drink Lucasade, don't you? You probably drink a lot iron brew on a hung, hungover. If you... Are we going to get some furious Scots now messaging me? Am I absolutely... I should have asked a Scottish person like, oh, to come like on it. and explain. I actually yeah. like it. Yeah. I just find it too terrifying, the colour. What flavour is iron brew meant to be nothing tastes like iron brew that's the first thing you see it's an orange color i mean ooh, a bubble gum and rust flavor there you go but yeah can you get it in the states i doubt it it's better it's better than mountain dew put it that way import you get everything on import these days surely all over the all over the show scottish expats everywhere well, anyway, it's enjoyable. Dan, and they lovely went... producer Dan Jackson. Oh yes. Says that in Canada, it has a label saying it does not contain iron. So maybe, maybe the good is well. Clearly, the good is a myth. Anyway, it is. Um, it is a unique thing. I think there's a theory that if you if you grow up drinking it, then you will like it. But if you mm. come to it late, then it's probably not going to be your thing. But anyway, maybe one day I should just just try. Anyway, it. the what? Queen looks looks very jolly out and about in La, in uh, in Glasgow and. Um, and certainly, I think that um, this this royal week has been quite a success. She's, I mean, it finishes tomorrow, Thursday, in space of time continuum. But she's uh, she's already been to the Iron Brew factory. She's going to the Sky Park in Glasgow today, which looks very exciting because she is uh, she's speaking to representatives of the UK Space Agency to to talk about how we're making strides in the space world. 
um, and she's been with Princess Anne today. So William did a couple of days in Scotland. He was uh, he was with the Queen for the first day, and then yesterday he was at the shipyard uh, building HMS Glasgow. And now the Queen has been uh, or is doing a couple of days with Princess Anne. And you mentioned about Nicola Sturgeon when we were chatting beforehand. Yes, yes. Well, the First Minister of Scotland, and again, I think this is quite interesting about Nicola Sturgeon has, uh, you know, one hope that there will be a um, a, a, a free um, and independent Scotland. And so this is quite uh, an interesting meeting. The Queen seemed to be rather... Um, rather sweetly welcoming her to the, to the Palace of Holyrood in Edinburgh yesterday, uh, talking about how, God, it's been an incredibly long time to have a year without one being in Scotland and, uh, and two coming face to face with the First Minister. So it seemed to go off uh, without a hiccup. But again, uh, um, I wouldn't be surprised, you know, where are we, where are we going to see it all? I, I think there will be more visits to Scotland over the next uh, year or two as we sort of uh, release ourselves from the, from the pandemic. Um, and, uh, and certainly William and Kate and the Wessexes will have a big part to play in that. I might want to give Wales some love as well, otherwise Wales will be getting a bit jealous. Well, I'm, give, I'm always and, giving Wales some love. I'm going to Wales for my holidays again. So, Excellent. Uh, I, I know that's probably a, a, poor, man's, uh, a poor man's Prince William, but uh, nevertheless... Quite you may be that. a poor man's Prince William. I'm not sure where's <laughs> Scotland. Um, well, or nice as well that Ed, um, Edward and Sophie, and he said Edinburgh and Sophie. Edward and Sophie went to Edinburgh, which is obviously where, in due course, uh, Prince Edward is set to become Duke of Edinburgh. Well, again, I think that um, the Wessexes are riding, riding a wave of popularity, aren't they? So it's, uh, it's no secret that the the royals are are happy to sort of push their um them out out in front certainly sophie was um i think we saw a different side to her after after prince philip's funeral she, uh, or, or his death rather and she was the one who was breaking to the world the sort of nature of him slipping away and saying how it was peaceful and i think that people saw quite a different side to her that she is not only a trusted member of the family to to be able to confidently relay that information but but certainly yeah, as we've been speaking for for many months over the last couple of years haven't we but her closeness with the queen that the she gets on very very well with the queen the queen sees her like a like another daughter um and certainly with edward as well i think that the family are becoming more of um more of a, a, a popular <laughs> sort of figureheads really because you know all the noise that we've had with the Cambridges and the Sussexes and the the rifts and the splits and Oprah Winfrey interviews or whatever the Wessexes are quite respected because they just get on with the job certainly Sophie has been doing her role diligently for the past couple of decades and uh, and only now is possibly getting the recognition that she deserves and uh, and Edward's um, a very popular figure I think that uh, you know the children are um you know, not won't necessarily have uh, a front and centre role to play within royal life, but um, I think Sophie said recently that that would be their decision to make, wouldn't it? Once they come to a certain age, so uh, so I think you'll see you'll see a lot more of the Wessexes coming coming out in the in future months. And we can predict already a, a future trip to Scotland because Prince William went looking at the big ships in in Govan, 
Um, and yes. reflecting on uh, you know a nice message posted on on the Instagram um, account, sort of reflecting on his his grandfather at the same at the same time, saying it was a real honour to see the Royal Navy's incredible new Type Twenty Six ships under construction at BA Systems Shipyard in Govan. As I saw the work taking place, I was thinking of my grandfather, the Duke of Edinburgh. He would have been fascinated and very excited to see such advances in skills and technology being put into practice. I'm very pleased that my family's connection with Type 26 ships will endure for many years to come. Her Majesty the Queen has approved the appointment of my wife, Catherine, as sponsor of the superb ship we see taking shape outside, HMS Glasgow. I know that Catherine will be delighted to join you here in Glasgow for the naming ceremony in due course. Um, Dropping a bit of an exclusive, wasn't he? Because we didn't didn't know that. And so... That's going to be quite exciting that Kate is going to go up to uh, who has become the official sponsor of the of the Royal Navy frigate, and I think that um, again that will give us an, a, a nice chance to be in Scotland, a nice chance to sort of bolster the union, as it as it were. So um, perhaps these sort of things are um, all moving quite um, purposely in the background, shall we say? I think it's interesting as well that sort of he, the. Instagram post is written from Prince William's voice as well. So whether this is part of the other changeover from it being Kensington Royal account to being the Duke and Duchess of Cambridge account. So they've sort of, um, you know, slight changes in in tone of how they're doing things maybe there. It's quite interesting. And certainly Clarence House has gone absolutely um, crazy for lots of little graphics and videos and things unpacking the unpacking their review of their year and you think you think everything. they've got a new digital whiz well I, maybe i don't know or maybe it's just the person that's there sort of you know trying some new things or getting a bit more um focus and priority or you know evolving maybe i'll try and, i'll try and find out i'll try and find i think you might be right I don't know, but I think you might well, be right. I, you never know. I do know that there, there, were, there was an advert a while back. I think that was for um, for the Cambridges, though, looking for new new digital people. But also, if you look at all of the work that Camilla has been doing with the reading room, where Prince Charles is sharing his books this week, I think. So you know, they they are they are using. They are using the tools at their disposal to get their messages out there. Well, they are. And there was a story during the week that, um, you know, probably someone who's been listening to the podcast because we've been speaking about this for quite some time, that Charles especially has not only he was, you know, when the pandemic hit him and William were both working out how they could fulfill the Queen's old adage of being seen to be believed. And that was part of being out there on uh, on video calls and and charles has taken to it so much that he's really wants to keep using it so not only is he going to keep using it for you know in his own personal meetings with charities and uh dignitaries all around the world he actually wants to to put it out on on social media which is very forward thinking actually i mean you forget that charles is you know in his 70s and um he's 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 a man of a sort of a bygone era at times isn't he Charles because he likes his gardening he likes he speaks in a very different way to the younger royals um, but he's very forward thinking in this mode of keeping the monarchy fresh and alive and it has to evolve and yet you have to move with the times and I think that uh, and that's something that uh, he should be applauded for yeah sometimes he can seem old-fashioned but equally at times in his life he's been ahead of the times in terms of his you know championing of the environment and awareness of climate change and all those kind of things so 
interesting character. But yeah, and we saw him sort of recording bits, reading from reading from diaries and things for family diaries for special occasions. So that will be very interesting. And yes, please do. This is that's another one for Russell Russell's to do list this week. We'll have to keep a running a running note. <laughs> what Russell's jobs are to go looking for so what is going on with the social media team um and we have a date for the first Earthshot Prize Awards coming up in October so we will see what happens there oh yeah that's fancy video of um I don't know where we were standing actually Prince William but the drone footage was incredible have you seen it no oh sorry it's 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 brilliant it's brilliant pretty it's like standing on a church very impressive building I, I did mean to look this up, but he's done it and he's talking about Earthshot and then the, zo- the zoom out of the, uh, from the drone is spectacular. I'm sure it's on the Kensington Royal website and most people or Twitter and most people have probably seen it, but you get this spectacular view over London after the, after the drone has zoomed out. So they're all at it, all the, on the social medias. Maybe there's one-upmanship. I'll have to have, like, internal oh. royal, royal households, best social media. I think there might be. There might Come on, be. best yeah, newcomers, no. Sophie and Edwards. Let's get them on there. Anyway. You've, you're, still, you're still carrying on with the campaign. I know. I, I appreciate they clearly, it. I appreciate don't, they clearly don't listen to the podcast. I'll have to just you never know. message you never them know. a little bit. What else do we have um, to look forward to? Well, just, I just touch upon this because, you know, we're talking about um, the fact that messages are on, on Twitter and whatnot. But... Um, I, I must give our thanks um, um, on behalf of the, 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 the Daily Mirror, Pride of Britain, um, and personal thanks to, to the Prince of Wales, actually, because uh, we lost a dear friend and colleague this week, uh, Peter Willis, who was not only a former executive and editor of the Daily Mirror and Sunday Mirror papers, he was the founder and the beating heart of the Pride of Britain Awards. And I'm sure many people across the UK uh, and probably beyond are aware of what the Pride of Britain Awards were. In a nutshell, they celebrated the uh, the extraordinary from the ordinary. They were awards for people from everyday walks of life um, who were celebrated in front of an audience of superstars from the world of politics, sport, uh, the arts, film, A-list, A-listers. And Peter Willis, who created that in 1999, uh, tragically died last week at the age of 54. And he had struck up a friendship with the Prince of Wales, as he did with many, many A-listers throughout the years of, uh, of getting them to come to, to Pride of Britain. And um, the Prince of Wales released a statement, and a very, very personal statement that not only was published in the Mirror and on, the, on our website today, that, uh, that he's seen to put on his own website. And, um, he, you know, he sort of spoke about the many years that he knew Peter. He was always struck by his deep compassion for the young people helped by my trust. And he's referring to the Prince's Trust because we had uh, a special award that Peter and the Prince of Wales set up to to celebrate those young people. And he said, uh, Peter, uh, as the Pride of Britain became an established event celebrating the great people of this country, Peter always insisted one of my trust young people was included. He never shied away from telling the difficult stories of young people who had struggled with drugs, homelessness, imprisonment or mental health issues and managed to turn their lives around. The positive impact of telling their stories will be a significant part of his legacy. My deepest and heartfelt condolences go to his family and friends. So um, I think that gives you a mark of the man that, uh, you know, a future king and somebody as esteemed as, uh, as Prince Charles gives such a heartfelt 
and uh, and personal tribute and um our thoughts go out to his uh, his family indeed at this time absolutely absolutely no it's a, a lovely tribute and very very true and the prince's trust is one of those um you know real sort of pillars of that is very much part of part of pride of britain as what's what's helped it become such a sort of annual annual showcase and celebration which will be very different this year i think without without peter at the helm and in terms of other royal things what have we got to look up? forward to moving forward we're in the space kind of time continuum so i can uh, i can tell you that prince harry is making a secret visit. This is going out on Thursday, isn't it? So I can it's, I can reveal. It's not even going out on Thursday. It's going out on Friday because we're <sighs> waiting for them to do the Diana oh, statue. Oh well, well, of course it'll be old news by this point. But uh, you know, Prince Harry is, is is making a secret visit to the to the children, talking about real deserving people from Prince's Trust Awards, Pride of Britain Awards. Well, the Well Child Awards are this afternoon on Wednesday, and Prince Harry had flown back at least a day early so he could attend this. He could complete his five-day um, coronavirus isolation period, uh, quarantine period, and uh, so he could surprise the kids at the World Child Awards. And this is something that he's done uh, over many years, and I think that uh, that's a, a great thing that Harry has done, keeping up his associations with with the awards, and uh, he's had for many, many years. And um, and to surprise those children will, will no doubt go down like um, it'd be just fantastic for them to for them to see, and certainly there was it was shrouded in secrecy. There was nothing we could say, but uh, but seeing as it's uh, the day is upon us, I think it will be um, it'll be a lovely event. That sounds fabulous, and I think you're going to have a little break as well, aren't you? So we're going to. Find- I am. Well, I'm I'm trying to sort of juggle things, but yeah, I was going to have going to. I'll probably be here next week, but not the week after. But you never know. I might do. I might. I might join you live from a, a mountain top, Wales. You know, and <laughs> by this time, will England will be in the semi-finals? Maybe. And, I mean, and we might be knocking on the door of the final. So you know, don't you get ahead of yourself. So you know, um, you know, Ukraine are going to turn us over, don't you? No, it's I don't. Be the I don't. Way gonna it be, goes. It's going to be fine. I, I believe you've got to believe. And uh, what else is going on? Oh. Well, we will have already spoken about the this actual unveiling, so I'm, I don't need to speak. No, space time continuum, no good. <laughs> just just put put three lions on and fade us out, and it'll be fine. Um, listeners, thank you very much for joining us this week. We hope you are enjoying the football. If you're watching that or the tennis, maybe we'll see Kate turn up at the tennis over the next few days. That would be nice. You never know. We have got you some people know. in again. It's more of these test events of trying to get us back to some normal life. So, and yeah, and hopefully we'll get to see the Cambridges again in future football matches. So yes, wherever you are, uh, we hope you stay safe and stay well. And until next time. Odds and the Queen!